Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Hello and welcome to Conversations. This is Karen and Chris Conley, and we're back. So uh, it has been several months uh, since we have come in studio to record these conversations, but we are excited to be back with a brand new series, um, ironically called Just Keep Showing Up. Uh, and this is the brand new series that we're starting at One City right now. And we're excited to jump back in. And these really are just intended to be um, an opportunity to have a conversation about what was taught on Sunday and maybe to allow some additional application, answer some things that maybe you don't answer from a, a stage or in a sermon, and um, we hope that there'll be a huge encouragement to you. So Chris, um, as we venture into this series, um, tell us really the heartbeat behind this idea of just keep showing up. Yeah, so just keep showing up is really the radical minimum standard of life, that it is half the battle, that if you'll just show up, um, then the foundation is built. And once that foundation is there, then we can build upon the foundation. And so that phrase applies to a lot of things in life. You know, what does it mean to show up as a man or woman of God? What does it mean to show up as a spouse? What does it mean to show up as a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a friend? But in this particular series, we're really going to talk about what does it mean to show up as a disciple? Now, that's a word that um, is so broad in general in today's context of the church that a lot of times we don't really even know what it means. But yet we're called to be disciples, and we're also called to go make disciples. And so what it really means is a disciple is a learner and follower of Christ. And so what we're going to talk about in this series is What's our, under, what's our identity as a disciple? And then what's our responsibility to also be someone that disciples people? And so, um, and that begins with just showing up. So Chris, um, it's funny that you say that, that that word is so broad because in some circles it's very broad, the church circle, but outside it's almost an antiquated word outside of the church. And even among our staff, we were having this conversation like, so the word disciple versus mentor, what's the difference and how do all these things work together? And so in that context, um, discipleship, if, if you had a big umbrella called mentoring, um, discipleship would be that part that is specifically um, geared towards spiritual disciplines and spiritual things. So you could mentor someone in being a husband or a father or mentor them in leadership. There's all different types of ways that we can pour into other people. But what we're talking about specifically is what it means to be a learner and a follower of Jesus. And as we start that conversation, one of the things that was a focus of your first session of this series was the the focus on commitment. Would you just maybe take a moment and and help kind of set that stage of why why this is something that 
that someone should say, no, I, I actually am going to have to change my calendar. I actually am going to have to figure out, this is not just another good idea of 10 that I've listened to on 10 different podcasts, and maybe I'll add that little, you know, sprinkle of that seasoning to my life. Why is this something that's so important? Well, when Jesus said, follow me, that wasn't a call to convenience, you know, it was a call that was a call to a lifestyle. And when you begin to embrace the lifestyle that God has set for us, that's something that requires total commitment. You know, it, it's, it, is, it goes to the core of your being. It is your identity. And so what we see is we are a disciple first. And as a disciple, as a son, as a daughter of God, as a disciple that is a learner and follower of Christ, that shapes and influences who we are and what we do. But most of the time, the reason why we view this as a optional commitment is because we view it as a complementary identity. And we go, no, 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 no. My primary commitment is I have job A, B, C, and I've got to, you know, work and I've got to make a living and I've got to do these things. My primary commitment is, you know, I've got to lead my family, take care of my family. And all of those things are incredibly important, but your primary identity is you are first and foremost a disciple of God that has a calling to go make a difference in this world for Christ. That is your primary identity. When that's your primary identity, it must be your primary commitment. And it's not a convenient one. And it's not one that's optional. But it's one that when you make that commitment, then every other commitment is enhanced by that commitment. One of the things that I've heard you say is that, you know, you cannot be successful if you're committed to the wrong things. And I know a lot of people who are committed to their families and committed to their careers with, that love Jesus. But if you look at how their world is structured and how they spend their time, they end up missing the most important commitment. And then when they fall short in those other areas, they, they don't understand why. And, and I guess that's one of my heartbeats in this is you and I are two busy people. I think we try to spend our lives helping other people. I, I think we love our marriage and we love our children, but none of that really is enough nor will it bring the results that we desire if we don't put God first. That you and I have to apply this to our lives as much as anybody else out there. And so if you think that you're going to be the first person to love your family better, to love your children better, to be better at your job, to do have excellence in every area, but just not put God first... I, it just doesn't work. It would violate everything that, that scripture teaches us. Well, and I'll give you an example of that. The reason why we call a devotional time a priority time, we don't call it a quiet time. We don't call it a, a devotional time. We call it a priority time because it's the one priority that determines all priorities. 
And so in order for me to be fully committed to Jesus, that priority time, it doesn't mean that priority time has to last two hours. It just means it just needs to be a priority. It might just be 20 minutes. But if I give him my first 20 minutes, then he all of a sudden has priority over all of my day. He helps me be a steward of everything that day and to see the day through his eyes and see the day through his purpose and through his priorities. And so what we have to do in this process is we have to realize that God fully understands all of your different time commitments, but he gives you enough time in in each and every day to do everything he would have you to do. Now, let me say that again. God gives you enough time in each and every day to do everything he would have you to do. And so if we're too busy for God, then we're just too busy because he is our primary purpose. Um, We have to prioritize God just like we have to prioritize our spouse. We have to prioritize our children. We have to prioritize our work. Is he a priority or not? But when he is the first priority, then every other priority will be more blessed. Well, and as we move forward in this, I think what I I hope people hear is, you know what? Yep, we are. We're raising the bar. We're asking for commitment. Uh, It doesn't benefit me or you. It's going to benefit the person who's making that commitment. But honestly, I think it's something we all actually want because I make a decision every morning knowing I have a hunt. I'm a very task oriented person. And that, that to-do list is screaming from the time I wake up. But I always go back to Henry Blackaby's quote that says, I have so much to do today. I must spend the first three hours in prayer. Now I have never spent three hours in prayer. Let me just put, make that very clear. That's not my, I'm, I wish I was there, but I'm not. But it speaks to if there's anything that I'm going to do today worth anything, I better have my heart attached first to him. And we all want the fruit of it, but we have to go. The fruit is only going to come when we sow the right seeds. And that starts with each day us investing. And then we'll talk about what that means to give it away to others as well. Yeah. One of the things that I have said the past two weeks on a Sunday is don't ask God to bless your disobedience. And, you know, I'd like to elaborate on what I mean by that. There's a lot of times that we keep asking God for fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. We are really good in our prayers of asking for the much fruit category. But our obedience isn't abiding. We're actually spending less and less time abiding, but we're asking for more and more fruit. Well, that's asking God to bless your disobedience. You know, make yourself blessable, but the more you abide, then your abiding will determine your asking. And you'll ask for more because you're abiding more. But when we keep asking for more, and we we really want God to be more committed to us, but yet we're less committed to God. We want people to be more committed to us, but yet we're less committed to people. And so we reap what we sow, good or bad. If you sow good things, you reap good things. If you sow bad things, you reap bad things. And so here, what we want to do in this world of commitment 
if we'll sow commitment, and really the essence of commitment is love. Um, you're not committed for commitment's sake. You are committed for love's sake. You know, and, and what we said in week two of the message in, in um, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, it says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, that's the commitment. He sent his son to pay for our sins, to satisfy the wrath of, of God for our sins. So he expressed his love through that commitment. And so don't get it backwards. Don't just focus on commitment and think I have failed at commitment again and again and again. The way to succeed at commitment is to increase love. And the more you increase love, the more you'll increase commitment. So if you have a um, commitment problem, ultimately it goes back to a love problem. So Chris, I think you bring up a really valid point because I think some people are going to listen and think, okay, I I do. I want to step it up. I want to raise the bar. I want to... Um, be committed to putting God first, to abiding in him better. I know that everything works better when I do. There's going to be that. But then there's also going to be people that listen that that when you just said, I failed, that's exactly where they're going to go. And it's going to be like, man, I've tried this before. I've failed. I, I There's just never mind. I, I'm never going to be in that category. That's for somebody else. What do you say to that person that feels like, commitment or discipleship is is too much they can't that they it's just i've tried i've failed i haven't tried it's not me yeah and that's where i would say it's just important to always go back and redefine discipleship in the context of a relationship that jesus is inviting you to follow him now what we've talked about and we'll say this again and again when you're invited to follow him there's kind of five expressions of that lifestyle And so the disciples were invited to be with him. So, you know, if you just keep showing up, if you just be with him, you're not failing. You're just being in his presence. And, you know, when you think about other relationships in life, when you are with people that you enjoy being with, that's not an obligation. It's not a duty. It's not a responsibility. It's a privilege. It's something you enjoy. And so it's an invitation to be with him. So don't view that as something you got to do, you ought to do, you need to do, but rather as something you want to do, something you love to do. But the second lifestyle is the disciples were invited to follow him. Now that's the part of it that's a little costly. You know, there are certain things that cost us our preferences, honestly. You know, how do I want to spend my time? Do I want to sleep in 30 extra minutes or do I want to get up and prioritize some time in the word and prayer and, and, and just be able to quiet my soul before God and say, God, what do you have in store for me today? God, how can I serve you today? God, how can I love someone else today? And so it's this invitation to follow him. And honestly, if we don't follow him, we're following ourselves. You know, that's just, we're never neutral. It's one or the other. But then that third lifestyle is you're instructed to live by his teaching. And ultimately, all of his teaching can be boiled down to love one another, all right? And so things are only going to be blessed in your life when you live by his teaching. And you're going to be a blessing to others. But then the fourth one is the disciples were instructed to imitate his actions. That requires a certain proximity. 
It requires just a, a certain amount of time together where you're with one another so much that you kind of just rub off on one another. It just kind of becomes contagious. You just pick up on one another's idiosyncrasies, so to speak. And in a great way, you just see similarities because you spend so much time on them. You can finish one another's sentences. And then the last one, the disciples were instructed to make everything else secondary. And I think that's the most difficult one for us is we have so many competing priorities. But every priority you think you have that is also, most of the time, I mean, it's a priority God has for you. It's a priority for you to provide for your family. It's a priority for you to spend time with your family. It's a priority for you to spend time with friends. And it's a priority even for you to have hobbies and things like that. That's okay. We just need to make sure he's the first priority and that everything else fits in alignment with that. So Chris, as we think about this um, particular first message in the series. Um, We've talked about commitment. Um, We've talked about why this is something that is important, that that truly to have the life we want and to have the blessability, if that's a word, um, that this is the key to that. This is what we're told to do. And so as we enter into this and we think about um, discipleship, um, maybe as we finish um, distinguish a little bit, and we'll get to this and unpack it in other weeks, but that just what discipleship actually looks like at different phases in someone's spiritual growth journey. Yeah, so discipleship for a new believer, a lot of times um, that person, in a great way, their eyes are opened and they really see who Jesus is. And, you know, by God's grace, you know, they are able to place their faith in him and they become a child of God. Well, in that moment, typically that happens relationally. And so whoever has been investing in your life, uh, you know, maybe they invite you to church and you get plugged into a body of believers And so now all of a sudden you're learning what it means to worship. And, and as you're learning what it means to worship and to, you know, listen to God's word and to read God's word, there's the renewing of your mind. And so in that regard, you know, you're no longer being transformed, but you're being, excuse me, you're no longer being conformed, but you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so now you've got this, this dynamic that you're learning what it means to worship on a weekly basis, to hear God's word you know, prayerfully, someone's teaching you how to, you know, have a priority time. Oftentimes that can happen in a classroom setting. Uh, you can go to a new believers class. You can go to like a, a alpha program, an alpha group, something of that nature. And there are great programs that can help a new believer in Christ, kind of a, a baby in Christ, lay a foundation. And so like at One City, we just talk about the big four. We talk about worship, friendship, leadership, stewardship. And so you can grow typically as a new believer for a season by just being consistent in worship, both private and public. You know, you can grow as a believer by building some new friendships and kind of running with people who know the Lord. And then, you know, that's, again, it's more caught than taught. Then you begin to learn maybe what some of your strengths are and what some of your gifts are and how you can serve the Lord. And and then you begin to put money and things like that in their proper place and you become a good steward of things. Well, those things are a catalyst and they get you started in the growth process. 
And if you were, you know, if we were to take this process from one to 10, one's the new believer, 10's complete in Christ, typically kind of one through four happens in that segment, you know, that someone introduces us to Christ, we get plugged into a church, maybe we go to a new believers class, you know, we get those kind of foundations built. But it's from there oftentimes that we hit a wall. And that wall is kind of, you know, if on the scale of one to 10, it's, you know, kind of number five, five and six. How do I climb the wall? You know, how do I get over some of these hurdles? And so, Karen. <laughs> I thought you were going to finish the, the journey. No. Okay. I'm sorry. Edit. All right. So, so Chris, um, as you talk about this kind of process as a new believer, um, I'm looking forward to us in our next podcast, you know, continuing, um, but maybe just preview that wall itself um, and this process of discipleship. Um, what does that look like for the people that have been walking with the Lord um, for a series of time? And as we talk about, you know, pouring into other people and people pouring into us, what is the, put that in the context of the wall? Yeah, so I like to think about the wall kind of like in a military boot camp, that it's, you know, those walls that you kind of have to climb and you have to get over. And most of the time, you cannot get over that wall by yourself. And you need someone who's been over the wall before to teach you how to get over the wall. And oftentimes, not only do you need someone to teach you how to get over the wall, you need someone who's been over the wall before to kind of reach over and give you a, a, a hand or help you kind of boost you where you can gain enough leverage to get over the wall. And so what we'll talk about in the next podcast is really where kind of the second phase of discipleship comes in. That is sometimes one-on-one discipleship. Sometimes it's kind of one-on-two, one-on-three, one-on-four discipleship. It's in that setting where we really gather around a person. And there are times there's, you know, things that people call strongholds that kind of these, these, you know, sins or other problems or hurts or traumas or wounds in someone's life that just kind of prevents them from fully growing and becoming who God designed them to be. And maybe, you know, they keep hitting the wall and they they don't quite get over the wall. Well, that's when you need people to help you do what you cannot do by yourself. And that's when God's body comes around you and will lift you in ways that you cannot lift yourself. And then once we get over that wall, then all of a sudden, We've built some spiritual disciplines in our life. We have some consistent commitments in our life about what it means to, you know, have a lifestyle that truly pursues Christ and to be a part of a body of Christ and how to serve Christ. Then kind of seven to 10, it's like you're a self-feeding Christian and now you're running the race with a group of people. And honestly, it goes back to what Clyde Cranford used to tell me, Chris, God grows you as fast as he can without killing you. You know, so you get to a place where you're just consistently growing. You're learning how to run the marathon. You can't run a marathon too fast, all right? You got to pace yourself. And so once you get into that section of the race, then you're just pacing yourself, seeing how God can use you. Well, I hope if you take nothing away from this particular podcast, that you will take with you this idea of just keep showing up. 
we've made the comment before that a lot of times we we think that they're going to be these big sparks and these big explosions and and you know the fireworks going off but honestly it's putting day to day to day back to back to back and being um, faithful just in the small things that we can look back and then we're able to see over time the growth that has happened. And so whether that's you coming on a Sunday morning and, and attending your local church, whether that's in a Bible study, whether that's choosing to be around other believers and, and sharpening one another, keep doing those things. Keep showing up. And then join us next time as we really talk about this discipleship aspect for believers um, that really can accelerate and get you over that wall. That we don't want to be, you know, the immature believers that are always on milk and that are always feeling like we're not living the life that God created us to live. No, that's not what he's designed. He tells us to come and follow him, and then we're supposed to go make followers. And there's so much out there for us. Um, We just need to learn how to do it the way that he's called us to do it, to see the fruit that he has designed for us. So I hope you guys will have a great one. We look forward to seeing you for part two of Just Keep Showing Up. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.